You're listening to an episode of the Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life podcast with your host, Kim Olver. This is Kim, and welcome to the 154th episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. If you like today's episode, be sure to leave me a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at Olver International. Today, I'm concluding our topic on coaching by talking about the distinction between coaches, counselors, teachers, mentors, and consultants. One of the biggest distinctions for a coach is between their role as coach and the differing roles of counselors, teachers, mentors, and consultants. All of these roles include the goal of teaching. Counselors teach by making suggestions. Teachers teach by providing information. Mentors teach through modeling. Consultants teach by analyzing situations and providing advice. And coaches teach through a strategic questioning process designed to facilitate self-examination and discovery. These roles are often confused, and to be fair, there are many practitioners who use several different methods in combination. However, keeping your role clear and staying in that lane is the most ethical practice and often provides the best outcome for your client. It's confusing and potentially harmful for clients, depending on their issues. They need to know which professional is best able to help them, a counselor, a teacher, a mentor, consultant, or coach. Counseling. This is a role where the counselor is seen as a helper and above the client in terms of expertise, knowledge, and overall functioning. Counseling clients are seeking help with emotional concern. They want to understand their current behavior patterns and learn to cope with trauma and other challenges in their lives. The counselor can make suggestions to their clients to improve their lives. A coach should not be making suggestions. This puts you in the role of counselor with a much bigger power differential. When there's a power differential, you lose the partnership of the coaching role. Coaches are hired as a partner for the client to discover the best route for that client to go. Counselors, on the other hand, are hired to help clients in an inferior position to lead more effective lives. Counselors work with clients who are experiencing emotional challenges, and they spend a great deal of time talking about and working to understand the past and emotions and feelings. The counseling field is highly regulated, requiring licensing and supervision, and there are strict rules regarding dual relationships with counselors and their clients. When you're counseling someone, you should not be active with them socially, personally, or professionally in other areas. Most counseling sessions are done in person, although that's been changing with COVID and the increased use of telehealth sessions. Since counselors are licensed by state, their work is typically restricted to the state or states in which they're licensed. Counseling comes from a medical model with medical diagnoses, so services are often paid by insurance. Teaching and mentoring. The role of teacher is to provide information on a subject the teacher possesses superior knowledge of. People seeking teachers often know what they want to learn and search for someone with that knowledge to teach them what they know. Teachers tend to teach groups of people the same information. This happens professionally when we find a training in a topic we want to learn. 
When I wanted to learn more about how to work with people who are experiencing trauma in their lives, I went to a certification training about trauma taught by someone who had written books on trauma and works with a lot of people experiencing trauma in their private practice. We seek people who know enough about a topic to teach us how to do the same thing. This is very similar to the role of mentors, but mentors typically teach one-on-one more through observation and demonstration than teaching. A mentor allows a mentee to learn by watching what they do. I once took a so-called coaching program that was technically a mentoring program. I wanted to know how to leverage the use of Instagram for my business, and I found someone who called herself a coach. She had built herself a huge Instagram following and had helped other people do the same. This might be called a teaching program because she was sharing information with large groups of people, but the way she did it felt more like a mentoring program. She had many videos online showing her mentees exactly what she did so we could reproduce her results following her system. Even though there were many people taking the same course, it felt like it was one-on-one because it was just her and I on the computer. Consulting. Because of the power of the internet, it is important for coaches to have experience and or expertise in the area they are coaching. It would be difficult for a person to be a parenting coach without being a parent or having studied parenting extensively. Similarly, it would be challenging for a coach to teach about relationships if he or she had never had a successful relationship or had studied relationships extensively. It would also be very difficult for a coach to help someone with performance anxiety if they had never overcome it themselves or had spoken extensively with people who had. The idea is, ethically, a coach is supposed to provide services in their area of expertise and experience. Because of this, it would be easier for the coach to slip into the role of consultant. Clients are looking for answers, and you, the coach, ostensibly have them, except you really don't. All you have is the path that worked for you. You cannot know if your path will be the best for your client. If you're a coach, don't fall into the trap of providing your client advice based on your experiences. This is not your role. Your role is to help your clients find their own path and the answers that are right for them along the way. On the other hand, you don't want to hide your expertise either. There is a way to share information about your expertise without giving advice and slipping into the role of a consultant. You own it. When I was in a similar situation, this is what I did, and here's how it worked for me. I don't know if that way will work best for you because we're different people. What is it you're thinking of doing? Consulting clients have a gap in knowledge that they hire a consultant to fill. They're looking for recommendations in particular areas and hire an expert to provide those answers. A Google search for consulting ethics reveals some privately developed codes for ethical behavior, but none implemented by a governing body to ensure compliance. There, in essence, are no ethical concerns regarding consultants having relationships with the person who hired them. They could be sexually active and no one would really care about that. Consulting typically has a combination of in-person and distance sessions, and interviews are conducted with key personnel, and a report is provided with the consultant's recommendations. Consultants might look at the past, the present, and the future when forming their recommendations. Consultants are paid by the company who hires them through a contractual agreement. Coaching. The premise of the coaching relationship is that clients have what they need to be successful. 
They can figure out the right answers for themselves by working with a coach who knows the right questions to ask to solicit the information. Coaches are presumably working with emotionally healthy individuals for the most part. The coaching field is only beginning to be regulated. There is a certification process with outlines for the ethical behavior of coaches, but there are no laws that require coaches to follow the regulations. There are rules about maintaining a professional relationship without creating conflicts of interest. However, if a conflict exists or comes to exist, the current ethical code allows the coaching relationship to continue as long as a conversation ensues regarding the conflict and documentation is placed in the client's file. Coaches do not focus on the past. They're concerned with the current situation so they can help their clients accomplish their goals in the future. Most coaching sessions are done by phone or computer, making geographic location irrelevant. Coaching doesn't deal with medical concerns, so insurance doesn't cover those sessions. Coaching is paid for out of pocket and occasionally by a sponsor who's hiring coaching services for a third party, usually for the benefit of their business. Life coaches are individuals trained to help their clients look at their personality traits, what they want in life, and their plans to get there. In many cases, clients could do it on their own, but having a coach will help them get there faster. If time is money, as the expression goes, paying a life coach is an investment, as it will provide additional time for clients to operate in their passion. Yes, coaching costs money, but when it hastens clients' progress towards success, it's worth the investment. Coaches are trained to be neutral. They don't have any personal interest in what their clients want or whether they succeed at it. That's not their job. When hired to help individuals accomplish their goals, they'll do that. If clients engage in self-sabotage, drag their feet, or change their mind, it doesn't matter to the coach. If they self-sabotage, the coach will invite them to look at that. If they drag their feet, the coach will hold them accountable. If they change their mind about what they want, the coach will help them develop new goals. The choice is always the client's, and the client is always in charge. Coaches provide a layer of accountability. They know what their clients want to accomplish, and they do not let them off the hook when they don't accomplish their objectives. Clients are asked to tell their coach what prevented them from doing what they said they would. Often, hearing themselves explain will sound quite lame. Wanting to avoid experiencing that discomfort again, clients will make sure to complete their commitments prior to their next coaching session. Jack Canfield wrote in The Success Principles, of all the things successful people do to accelerate their trip down the path to success, participating in coaching is at the top of the list. A coach will help you clarify your vision and goals, support you through your fears, help you focus, confront your unconscious behaviors and old patterns, expect you to do your best, help you live by your values, show you how to earn more while working less, and keep you focused on your core genius. Some people have been so turned off to coaching because they've either experienced or heard of horror stories about incompetent coaches. Life coaching is a relatively recent profession. Thomas Leonard started life coaching as a profession in the 1980s. In the early 1990s, he began a coaching program called Coach University. The board-certified coach credential initiated in 1995. There are many certifying coaching programs with two main internationally known credentialing bodies, board-certified coach, BCC, through the Center for Credentialing and Education, CCE, and the International Coach Federation, 
ICF. Some certifying coach programs are approved through these two programs, while others provide their own certifications. There are currently no known laws requiring coaches to be certified, which means anyone can just decide they're a coach and start providing services without any training or experience. This accounts for some of the disappointing experiences people have had with coaching. To protect clients from these negative experiences, encourage them to ask questions on your website and when you write or present about coaching. Instruct potential clients to ask coaches where they were certified and to see a copy of their certification. Have them ask if their program was accredited through ICF, CCE, or somewhere else. Ask them to check a potential coach's website to see if there are testimonials. See if they can talk with a former client. They should ask potential coaches about their areas of expertise if it isn't clear on their website. They could request a 20-minute trial session to see if the coach would be a good fit for them. Suggest they let potential coaches know how they want to be coached. Instruct them to verify whether the coach has a satisfaction guarantee. Helping clients obtain answers to these questions won't necessarily protect them from a negative experience, but it will reduce its likelihood. Hiring a coach is a short-term experience. The average length of service for clients is three months. In fact, I tell potential clients, I guarantee if you are not significantly closer to your goals within three months, I'll refund your money. When clients are motivated and inspired to change or accomplish something, it doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out process. Good coaches will be able to ascertain when clients are sabotaging themselves and call them on it. They support clients when they doubt themselves. They work with clients focused on their goals. One of the main differences between counseling and coaching is that counseling typically focuses on the past to determine the causes of clients' behavior. Coaches are unconcerned about that. Coaches understand a client's past strongly contributes to who they've become, but discussing that past ad nauseum doesn't help clients accomplish their goals in the present. Coaches help clients honor their past as what has shaped them for better or worse. With a growth mindset, coaches will assist clients to recognize that their past does not define them, nor does it prevent them from doing what they want to do now. Hope. As a coach, it's your job to show your clients that there is hope. When they're feeling like they're broken, coach shows them that their pain is temporary. There are better ways to manage difficult situations, and they can accomplish their hopes and dreams. In this way, I refer to coaches as hope warriors. Being a hope warrior is no easy task, as there are many pitfalls coaches can succumb to. If you aren't careful, you can get sucked into your client's negativity. Pull to negativity is a strong one, and in a session filled with negativity, it isn't easy for a coach to maintain their positivity. Coaches are not superhumans. We experience sickness, death, disappointments, betrayals, fear, pain, and anger, just like everybody else. When you, as a coach, entering a coaching session are still reeling, raw, and bleeding from something that's happened in your life, you may not be able to maintain the hope warrior posture your client needs. Claiming a hope warrior title doesn't mean you never experience emotions you don't want to have. It does mean that when the unfortunate happens, you understand how you respond is your choice. You know how to transform your painful emotions to neutral or even positive ones so you won't stay stuck for long.
When entering a coaching session, you want to be sure you're bringing your best self into that helping relationship. Check yourself for negativity. Are you feeling stuck yourself? Are you carrying unresolved sadness, anger, or fear? Are you preoccupied with things having nothing to do with your client? If any of these are true for you, you need to get yourself in full warrior mode by focusing 100% of your energy and attention on the person in front of you. You are the listener, helper, and hope warrior. When your client is suffering, it's your job to empathize with their story, help them realize they will eventually feel better, and when they're ready, help them find the glow, the gifts, lessons, opportunities, and wisdom in their pain. When your client is feeling like a victim in someone else's drama, your job is to help them see they will only be a victim when they willingly abdicate their power to someone else. When your client is having difficulty believing in themselves and their ability to accomplish their goals, it's your job to believe in them until they learn to believe in themselves. As a coach, you have three main jobs to perform. Number one, Create a need-satisfying relationship with your clients. Your clients need to know you care about them and their aspirations. Clients should know they're in charge of their sessions and what their coaches or others want for them is irrelevant. They need to determine their own path that as coaches, you will support. Clients need to know they're safe with their coach, safe to share what's truly important, safe to explore the unknown, and safe to be their authentic self. Number two, sometimes coaches need to provide information to clients. Those who believe a coach should never give information are preventing themselves from truly becoming a hope warrior. There will be times when a client wants something you think isn't a great idea. The reason you don't think so is because you're in possession of information the client doesn't have. If you, as the coach, know something your client doesn't that pertains to their goals and plans, you need to share that information so your client can make an informed decision. You don't share it as though you're the expert. You share it as something you have experienced or seen, not as the absolute truth. You may say to your client, I know you're thinking of eating only once a day to lose weight, but have you heard that scientists and nutritionists say this practice slows your metabolism, resulting in weight gain? It might work differently with you, but I wanted to be sure you knew what my research led me to discover. Hope warriors need to share information. Number three. Finally, the main job of a hope warrior is to ask your clients Socratic questions so they can discover their own answers. My rule of thumb is, if the client knows the answer or can ferret it out, then ask the question. If your client doesn't know the answer or isn't likely to know the answer, then it doesn't matter how many times you ask the question. They aren't going to be able to come up with an answer. Revert to number two and provide the information. However, a question is typically much more effective in helping your client self-evaluate than a lecture is. And above all, believe in your client until they believe in themselves. Let your clients know they aren't broken. They can start wherever they are, gather their strength, and move forward towards the life they imagine for themselves one small step at a time. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and remember to leave a review and share with your connections on social media. 
I also hope you'll join me next week when I'm changing the topic to mental health and we'll be interviewing my good friend, Dr. Terry Lynch from Ireland, about his views on mental health. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at lifeequalschoices.com or listen wherever you download your podcast. And don't forget, remember to subscribe.